You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about the guest for today's episode, Dr. David Summers. Dr. David is a partner dentist with Tibetan Dental Care located in Wenatchee, Washington. He's a 2016 graduate from the University of Iowa College of Dentistry, and he began his career as an associate at his current practice shortly after graduation in 2016 and then became a partner in 2019. Dr. David, welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. Oh, thanks, Sean. It's great to be here. Really excited to dive into your story, but let's just start with some context for the audience. Uh, could you share a little background about your practice, Tibetan Dental Care, and just kind of how you arrived at uh, the current point in your career? Yeah, so uh, our our practice, we have three partners, and uh, one of the partners right now is um, kind of on a sabbatical. So uh, we still have three doctors, though. Currently, we have an associate as well, so two partners in the office practicing with an associate. And um, it's kind of a primarily hygiene-driven practice uh, in Wenatchee, like you had mentioned. And um, how basically I, I knew the, the Tibetans from, from before uh, dental school. We kind of kept the relationship as I went through uh, dental school. And then uh, getting closer in my senior year, they kind of reached out and said, you know, hey, well, what about joining us and working with us? And it's just been a great ride ever since. They're really wonderful mentors, really great dentists. Um, and, and that's been a really big important thing for me is um, aligning myself with doctors that have similar values, similar ideals and um, uh, ethics as well. And that's been, that's been really neat. That's a common theme I hear uh, speaking with dentists is that having a good mentor as they start off in their career is, is really, really critical. Um, sounds like you've had a good experience and that's helped shape you uh, these first four years. One question I always like to uh, start off people with is, how did you decide to become a dentist? And I guess, how early on did, did you know that? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I, I wouldn't say I was five years old, you know, cleaning my dog's teeth and I knew I always wanted to be a dentist. That wasn't quite my story. Um, I, I knew, I, knew I, I wanted to be with people, work around people. Um, and uh, I also enjoy the sciences. I enjoy... Um, working with my hands, kind of just kind of your typical, typical answers. Uh, I also wanted a profession that uh, I would be able to have time with my family. Um, family is extremely important to me and uh, being able to spend time with them was really important. And, and I knew a lot of the professional careers, uh, sometimes it can be really easy to get um, wrapped up in, in, uh, in work more than, more than family. And I was really concerned about that. I think my, my, kind of mindset or just, I know my tendency is to work, 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 unless I can um, have defined lines between work and home. And uh, I felt, you know, as I learned more and more about dentistry, uh, I felt it really kind of matched my ideals and what I wanted, um, creating that line between work and, and, uh, and, uh, and home. And then also providing a, a good opportunity to be around people and work with my hands and, um, enjoy the art of dentistry. And that's really one of the things that I, I really enjoy seeing something come in that needs to be fixed or needs to be repaired or, or helped um, a person in pain or frustrated with their smile or whatever, and being able to help them and being able to do that. Um, I really enjoy that. 
and and I enjoy the uh, the one on one interaction that I get with my patients. If you could go back four years, five years uh, to your last year in dental school when you were a D four, uh, what's one thing or maybe a few things that you wish you could tell the D four version of yourself? Relax. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's, it's easy to get stressed. It's easy to get stressed out about things, and especially when you know the future can be uncertain. Um, so I tend to I tend to be a worrier, and uh, but I think the big thing is just just keep doing what you want to do. Keep doing you know put your put your head down and and plow forward in some cases, but at the same time breathe and enjoy it. You know, enjoy the ride. Um, sometimes I get I get too focused on where I want to be, and I don't really get to enjoy where I currently am. So that's probably what I'd say. Enjoy it. Have you gotten better at learning to be more present? And if so, what are some of the ways that you've learned to to kind of get better at that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, am I better? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, some somewhat, right? I, you know, I think really the the way that I the way that the thing that's helped me is. You know, through through learning by mistake, I guess I look back at some points in in especially in school. I go, oh man, I I should have. That was a great area that I was at. You know, like for example, I was just talking to a patient of mine who who was familiar with Iowa, and they're asking me about football games. And believe it or not, I never went to a University of Iowa football game. Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, so you know, and it's like I, I totally missed that opportunity because I was too focused on other things. And, and I should have just stood back and enjoyed, you know, the present. So whenever I have the clarity of mind to step back and think about, okay, am I, am I enjoying the now? Am I enjoying the present? Um, that's, that's when I kind of can reevaluate. I have three little boys and, you know, I'm always constantly asking myself, you know, okay, I'm not going to get this time back with them. Am I, am I enjoying it the way I should? So. Interesting. Really good perspective. Thank you for sharing. So. I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but I know you were raised in Washington, correct? Yeah. And you went to school in at Iowa, in Iowa City, at the University of Iowa College of Dentistry, and then moved straight back to Washington. I guess, what was it that attracted you to Iowa? And um, for someone who's, I think, lived mostly in the same part of the country, Washington, except for those four years, uh, what was that experience like? And, and, and how do you remember it? Yeah, so... Um, the, I had a, a buddy in undergrad and his wife was from Nebraska and he, um, got accepted to dental school, the university of Iowa the year before I applied. And so I was applying to schools and he was there in Iowa and said, Hey, you need to apply to the university of Iowa. And I really hadn't thought anything about it. So I started looking it up and reading about it and researching it. And as I looked more and more into it, um, one of the big things that jumped out to me was the University of Iowa um, gets your the D1 students in, you know, seeing patients that first year. Mm. And, I, and I like the book side of things, but uh, as I kind of explained earlier, I, the thing that really drives me in dentistry is the, the patient exposure, the time to be with people. And uh, so that program where they're like, hey, we, you start seeing patients your first year, that was really attractive to me. So I applied and then um, they offered me a scholarship also on top of that. So that was kind of another nice little benefit. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so thanks to the scholarship and, and the program. But, you know, just like most things, you, you, you can't really research everything out until you, until you get there, until you know what it's like, until you're in it. And um, I was just very grateful that 
you know, I made that decision. It was a great school, great fit. And, and that's probably maybe, I know you didn't ask this question, but as a recommendation to even pre, pre, um, you know, dental students, um, that, that time when you're looking for a school, you want a school that's going to fit who you are. And that's what the interview process is. They're looking for a match of who they want to, you know, have in their class. And if you're not who you are, then you're going to be in a class of a bunch of people that you just don't fit in with. <laughs> so, so I felt like Iowa was a great fit for my personality, my, my attitude, just everything. It was, it was my, my learning style. It was everything I needed. And it was, it was a wonderful experience. That's great. So be yourself, be real, be you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Turns out better that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. You're not going to be, you're not going to be, you're not going to be uncomfortable, you know, the whole time. I, I, I know, you know, I talk with some of my other buddies at other schools and, and not to knock other schools because again, they, they fit for other people's, you know, learning style and, and their, you know, what motivates them. But I, I remember one of my buddies in particular, I think he, he really pushed himself to get into a particular school, but it was just not his style. It wasn't who he was. And he was pretty miserable <laughs> for, for that time. So Interesting. So you followed, I, I think, what would be considered a, a fairly traditional tract in that you, you know, graduated from dental school and then started out as an associate and then eventually uh, moved into a, a partner relationship uh, with the, the original practice. Uh, what was that decision like for you? And I guess as much as you're willing to share, how did you weigh that, the pros and the cons of continuing on the associate track versus moving into a partner and, and ownership? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, I, from day one, I always knew that I wanted to either either be a solo. You know, I, I don't. I never really wanted to be a solo doctor, but I knew I always wanted to be in some sort of partnership. And um, again, back to like what I had said earlier, you never really know what you have until you're in it. Um, I, I, I partnerships are really similar to like a marriage basically. Um, and there are good things, um, about your, your spouse that, that you would never know until, you know, you spend 10 years with them kind of thing. <laughs> so just like that with a partnership, um, you know, there's things you won't know until you're with them. And that's, that's kind of a nice thing about joining as an associate. I had some kind of low stress time to just focus on, on the dentistry and focus on, on, you know, kind of getting my, my stride. Um, but then at the same time, observing again, the ethics, the morals, the, the, the workflow, the style of dentistry, all of those things. And then deciding, okay, is this, is this practice a good fit for me? Back to the, just being yourself, be yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and if it's a good fit, great. If it's not, you'll know, you'll know pretty quick. Um, and so, so that was, that was my, my thought, you know, after, after about, a year, even though knowing I always wanted to own my own practice, whether it was with Tibetan or not, um, after about a year, I knew that that was the that was the practice for sure that I wanted to be with, and the doctors that I wanted to continue my my career with as well. And I think that's a little bit rare in my experience, where people find a good associate fit right out of the gate, and then also are able to transition to a long, longer-term relationship of partnership and ownership. So uh, that's that's great that it worked out really well for you. Yeah, thank you. And and it is it is <laughs> it is rare, but but again, just like a relationship, I mean, you know, there's there are there's growing pains and there's struggles and there's things, and I think the big thing is. Um, 
um, learning each other's communication styles, mm. how each one, um, you know, even conflict resolution, you know, understanding how one goes about expressing their frustration and being able to be open about things. Because um, if you don't have that, um, it, it, it's it's just a matter of time till till something you know uh, builds up and frustrations kind of spill over, and and then you get a bigger problem. Yeah, it's something I've learned in life and business. And uh, one thing that's been helpful for, for me, and you don't always get this opportunity, but to talk to someone that you're uh, involved with, how you're going to fight before you actually fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how yeah. are we going to disagree? And, and how do you express that? Because I think um, if you can proactively do that, that at least in my experience, sometimes uh, has a better resolution long-term when both people kind of know what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you've mentioned a couple different times the patient interaction and how important that is to you. And it sounds like that's maybe the number one thing you enjoy about your profession. Uh, if you could engineer yeah. the feeling or the sentiment that your patients have after interacting with you and your practice in, in, in a few sentences, how do you encapsulate that? I like breaking stereotypes. If, and, and, and not like I like being like out there and crazy, but I like... <laughs> The fact that stereotypically dentistry is, is, you know, everyone's afraid of it. Everyone hates it. No one wants to be there. You know, all this kind of your stereotypical mm-hmm. dental experience. And, and I love, I love flipping that upside down. Mm-hmm. I love people. My, probably one of my favorite compliments is, is just seeing them go, wow, that was, that was awesome. Or, whoa, that was amazing. Or, oh, I didn't expect that. Or, or just kind of the unexpected. Um, actually just, just, uh, Tuesday, I, I had a new patient and, and, and I don't always want this, this, you know, kind of outcome, but she started crying. Um, because, because she was, she was so nervous to be there and she was so worried about things. And after our exam and after talking with her and explaining things and, and helping her be motivated about what she has going on and explaining all the good things that she has. And she'd always been focusing on the negative things that she has. And, and talking about all the good things that she has going, um, she she started crying because she was so grateful. And those are those are the experiences that I want. And, and you know, again, I don't, I don't need tears, but I want mm-hmm. I want people to be empowered. I want them to be excited and motivated um, to to move forward rather than. I mean, everybody everybody's like, oh, I need to be better at flossing. Or, oh, I'm not doing this. Or oh, my mouth's falling apart. Or whatever. Um, but I want people to leave going, wow, I can do this. I feel better. I'm, I'm excited, you know, um, and, and, and not having that dreary dental experience. <laughs> so that's, that's the interaction part. But then that also goes on to the actual treatment itself and making them feel comfortable and making them feel um, uh, comfortable in, in all aspects. My other, my other goal is when I'm doing a root canal or something, if they fall asleep, that's my, that's my top goal. <laughs> I want my patients to fall asleep because that means they're totally comfortable. <laughs> so. That's, that's really interesting. And I guess as a follow-up to that, what sort of techniques do you, do you use or attempt to use when someone comes to you and is in the chair for the first time and you can tell they're in a place of anxiety and fear and um, maybe in, in a bad mindset about what's about to occur? How do you how do you flip that switch? How do you turn it on, on its head and, and have a, a good positive outcome for the patient? That's a great, great question. So, you know, everybody's, everybody's different. And, and 
that's one of the things that I like about it. I like to, I like to identify those differences, those subtle differences in people, what makes them tick kind of per se and, and what, what connects with them. So one person, it could be humor. Um, and that would make them feel at ease. Another person could be, um, explaining things on a very intellectual, you know, level. And they feel like, wow, this, they feel this sense of confidence. Another person could be, um, uh, it, it, it just everybody's different. So, so I, I would say though, one, I, I really enjoy what I do and I, and I think it's fascinating what, what we do in dentistry. So I like to explain things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and again, I'm not going to be somebody I'm not. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be myself. And that's kind of a side note. Um, you know, if you're, if you're pretending to be somebody you're not, then you're going to connect with a patient in a way that is unnatural or not, you know, organic. Mm-hmm. And over a long period of time, over a long relationship with that patient, that's going to be kind of taxing on you. So I still want to be myself. Um, but I just want to be the self that, that, connects best with that patient so so again back to humor or or just explaining things i think a lot of people um there's a lot of fear because they just don't know what's going to happen or what to expect so i like to explain things hey i'm going to lean you back we're going to take a look at these things or whatever or as i'm going through x-rays or the radiographs with them i'll say okay this is what i'm looking at this is what i'm looking for and and another compliment that I enjoy getting that I get often is, wow, no one's ever explained that to me. Well, I've never, I never knew that. And, and I think those are all things that empower the patient and, and then also make them feel more comfortable because they, they are ready for what's going to happen or they um, are almost um, asking you the next question. Like, okay, well, I see that. And like you explained, now what do we do? And that's mm-hmm. the best because then they're the ones asking you basically what are you going to do for this? Or how can you help me? Or what do I need to do? Great question. And then I go into that. Um, so that's kind of a, that's a drawn out answer, but <laughs> there's kind of no, a lot of, a lot of different ways. It really interesting stuff. And, and I've, this is, you know, becoming a parent has kind of taught me this, but I've learned that my toddler son, he does a lot better in situations of the unknown when I tell him what's going to happen ahead of time or what to yeah. expect. And I think, Maybe it's just me and the way I'm wired and, and my son by default. But I think a, a lot of humans, if not most humans, want to know what to expect ahead of time as much as yeah. possible. And absolutely, how does that fall short in dentistry with, with some dentists and some patients? I'm asking you to speculate, but is it, is it a, a lack of time? Is it a lack of empathy? Where does the inability or the lack of explaining what's going to happen to patients, what leads to that in, in your opinion? Yes, yes, and yes. I think, you know, time, <laughs> it can be one because it just takes time to, to do those things. Right. Um, but also, you know, I think, I think it's easy to forget what we know and what others don't know. Mm. Um, I think it, you, you just kind of assume that, that people know that or assume that it's common knowledge um, when really a lot of things aren't or are not. And, and on top of that, um, yeah, that's, that's probably, that's probably the, the big one, I would say. But then also timing. It does. It just takes a lot of time. And, um, and that's why another thing I like to do is I'm always kind of working on different phrases or different ways to say something or explain something. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll try, I'll test stuff with different, you know, in different exams. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
But, you know, I, li- I like analogies, like, I'll, you know, the easy way to explain the tooth. I'll say the tooth is like a peanut M&M. It's got a thin candy shell, which is the enamel that protects the tooth. And it's got the support underneath, which is the chocolate, or we call the that insulates the nerve. And the nerve is the peanut in the center. You know, and so that anytime somebody looks at a tooth, they're going to peanut M&M, candy shell, chocolate, peanut in the middle you know, so, um, and, and I, and I, and I like little things like that. It's just simple. It's quick and easy to explain. And then in the future, I just say, you see this, this cavity, this is bacteria's broken candy shell. And now it's into the chocolate. The chocolate's not as strong as thin candy shell. So now it's much faster and on its way to the peanut. Oh, I get it exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, you can visualize and everybody knows everybody's eating a peanut M&M. So everybody knows mm-hmm. what it's like. And so I don't have to go into, all of the all of the other jargon about what's happening to that tooth in that decay process. That's a great analogy, and uh, it, it helps me visualize exactly what you're talking about. And as an added bonus, peanut M and M's are absolutely my favorite treat. I always <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> my I always tell my wife these, yeah. every time I have some. This is my death row meal. Like if I ever had one last meal and I knew about it ahead of time, it would include peanut M and M. So uh, <laughs> yeah, great I love analogy. Them too. <laughs> Great analogy. Uh, one question I've been asking a lot of dentists is, and I know your practice was affected as well as as were a number of, if not most practices across the country, the COVID-19 pandemic, how has that impacted your practice? And then uh, maybe to lead the witness a little bit here, were there, some, were there some maybe unforeseen benefits coming out of it that you've experienced since you got back into practice? You know, um, you and I, Sean, have talked about uh, spending as much time working in the practice or the business as we work on the practice or the business. And, um, and that was a good opportunity um, because we were pretty much just, we were just seeing emergency patients for um, a, a couple months. And, um, and with three doctors, we just had a little rotation going. So really that gave us a lot of time to kind of find things and look at things and see what, how we can improve systems and, um, and clean up systems. But uh, I've, I've kind of always been, well, lately I've been referring to this COVID-19 situation as as, uh, as kind of the great magnifier. And the way I feel what it's done, I think it's magnified whatever whatever we have or feelings about anything, I think it just made it magnified, uh, enhanced. And so what, what kind of an unforeseen benefit to that is um, some of the Maybe the the things or problems that we had in our practice, whether breakdowns of communication or errors in systems or whatever it was, it just magnified that. So it was really a good opportunity to really address those things and make them better. And that may sound like a bad thing, but but really, I am a strong proponent. Anytime I can see where something where where there's a flaw or there's an error, I look at that as a as a good as a benefit because that means that's a time where we can improve, we can identify that, and we can change it, and we can make it better. That's a great analogy. Two great analogies in the last few minutes: peanut M and M's and and the magnifiers. So uh, no, I'm gonna that's gonna be a few takeaways from this conversation. And uh, yeah, I think this has been great. We could, I'm sure, keep going for another hour. Or so really enjoy having you here and sharing more details about. Uh, your story as we as we wrap up here. What's the best way for for people listening if they'd like to connect with you to get in touch with you? They can they can look me up on dot com website or office email and everything. Um, and that be the best. So thank you, thanks for having me, and thanks for doing this. It's a 
with you, and I, I really cite in your wisdom that you have so much. Well, thank you, David. That's TibetanDentalCare.com. I know the audio is cutting out there a little bit. Uh, that's TibetanDentalCare.com. We'll put the exact spelling of that in the show notes. Dr. David, uh, really enjoyed our conversation as well. Thanks again for, for sharing your story and your perspective so open, openly. And I uh, really appreciate you being a guest on the, the Practice Growth Podcast. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carroll Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Carroll Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance tracking number 2020-111395, expiration date October 2022. 